This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That is Revelation 21.4. So uh, we are very much looking forward to that day, and I say that collectively as a people. A little bit of a somber note to start on today, but don't worry, we're going to get into all the stuff we're going to talk about today. But uh, I don't normally do this. I don't know that I've ever done this, but I am dedicating today's episode uh, to the memory of Jonathan Thomas Zerzevi. So most people just called him John John. On September the 25th of this year, he was killed in a car accident that involved a driver. It was his 13th birthday. Apparently, uh, he and a friend and his and his mom and they they all went to an OU game. And it was as they were driving home from the o game, OU game. It looks like they were uh, struck by a drunk driver. Um, and John John did not make it. And the only reason that I know about this is because he's the son of a buddy of mine from high school and one of the earliest supporters of Undaunted Life. And that's a guy named Chris Zerzevi. And so. Just an absolutely horrific situation. I mean, I I don't really follow stuff on Facebook anymore. It's just too hard with all the algorithms and, and you know, all the different notifications and stuff like that. And so he reached out to me, Chris did, uh, just to talk with me a little bit. And I had no idea this had even happened. And so just an absolutely excruciating thing, like right on his 13th birthday, just a, a very well-liked kid, a very well-loved kid. Um, I did put his obituary in the show notes today. I would encourage you guys to all go there and read that. As far as I know, the family uh, doesn't have many any needs right now, but anything I think is going to be updated in the obituary there. But again, just wanted to dedicate today's episode to John, John, and also just to give a PSA that y'all have heard about a million times at this point, but it's like, if you're going to drink, not at home, could you please figure out a way to not drive? Like, is that, is that that hard? I mean, honestly, like we have, we live in a culture where literally you can just open up a app on your phone and have somebody, a stranger pick you up and drive you wherever you need to go. And they'll be there in, you know, two or three minutes. And so just guys, obviously I know there are people in my, in my audience that drink, perhaps you have a drinking problem, but that is one of the easiest things to do when you know, you're going to go out and do something like that because the ramifications of your decision-making could end in a loss of life, not just your life, but the lives of others. So again, today's episode is dedicated to the memory of Jonathan Thomas Zerzevi, uh, and just wanted to let his family know that we are praying for him and that we appreciate them very much. But to kind of go ahead and transition into what we're doing today, I am back, even though you guys didn't even know I was gone. I actually haven't been in the studio doing solo episodes for at least two months now. So I've been working on some amazing upcoming interviews and a new project that we're launching in January of 2023. So you guys can get really, really excited about that, but I will tell you about it later. But I gave you guys, because I went back and I, I counted everything up, I gave you guys 19 interviews in a row when I was not in the studio. I set you up with 19 interviews in a row and one Q&A just to tide you guys over. So hopefully that was okay with you. But a ton of stuff happened while I wasn't actually in the studio talking about it. And I've wanted to talk about this stuff on the show, but I wanted to make sure to get all these interviews out to you guys because I didn't want them to be delayed and things like that. So today we're going to be making up for lost time. We're going to be covering a lot of ground on the podcast today because don't worry, I've been keeping tabs over the last couple of months of all the stuff that I've wanted to talk to. So here's how we're going to, we're going to approach today. So, you know, I normally do a big segment and then I do quick hitters. Well, today there's no big segment as it were. We're going to do quick hitters in the latter part of the show. So stick around to the end of the show, guys, because I'm going to be talking about, and and this is no hyperbole here. I'm going to be talking about perhaps the most triggering thing that I've ever talked about on this podcast. 
I've talked about transgenderism. I've talked about, you know, uh, genital mutilation of children. I've talked about abortion. I've talked about everything. But there's one thing that is going to make way more people in my audience angry. And I'm, I'm here. I'm ready for it. But here in a minute, hey, before I get to the quick hitters, I'm going to be doing the quick, quick hitters. Okay. So this is not something that we're going to do uh, very much because I don't plan on having these big stretches where I'm not in the studio. But there's a lot of stories that came up over the last couple of months that they don't need, you know, 10 minutes of discussion. They need like 30 to 60 seconds of discussion. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to blow right through those. And I'm going to give myself like literally like an internal timer of 60 seconds maximum. We're going to go through a bunch of stuff, rapid fire, just so I can give you my quick thoughts. And then we're going to get uh, into, I think I have four quick hitters today that I think are well, well worth your time. So in the quick hitters, segment we're going to be talking about Jordan Peterson going viral for getting upset when asked by Pierce Morgan on an interview here recently if he was the intellectual hero hero to incels so that's involuntary celibates then we have California Governor Gavin Newsom putting the words of Jesus on billboards across the U.S. to convince people to come to California to kill their children so that's the thing that happened then we got Pastor John MacArthur from California writing an open letter to Governor Newsom, calling him to repentance. And then this is the thing. This is the major thing that's going to get everybody in my audience all angry. Two pit bulls mauling a two-year-old girl and a five-month-old boy to death and almost killing their mother in the process as well. So just an early spoiler alert, I think pit bulls should be banned completely. So we'll get to that later. But right now, I, I do want to talk about something even before we get to the quick hitters and the quick, quick hitters. As some of you may have heard, Last week, big tech decided to take a big step in silencing Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Okay, so I know a lot of you were expecting me to talk about this because you saw this on social media. But if you're listening to this on time, last week, we received an email from YouTube, which is owned by Google, which is probably important, which stated that episode 331 of this podcast, okay, 331 of Undaunted Life of Man's podcast titled No Twitter for Musk, Biden coming for your guns, the greatest political ad ever and more has been removed from their platform. Not like, hey, we have a question about this or, hey, what did you mean? The video has been removed. Now, you can still listen to it. So if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or iHeartRadio or, or Google Podcasts or any of those things, you can still listen to that episode. Go to our website. It's still on there. Okay. But what they claimed in the email is that the video, quote, violates our violent and graphic content policy, unquote. Okay. So again, let me quote that. Violates our violent or graphic content policy, unquote. Okay. So more specifically. They assert that the, this is what they kind of assert about that policy. I'll read a quote here. Quote, content that incites others to commit specific violent acts against individuals or a defined group of people. Unquote. Again, I'll read it again. Content that incites others to commit specific violent acts against individuals or a defined group of people. Unquote. Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing about that is you would think that if somebody, and I think that episode was over an hour long. That in the process of that hour-long video, and knowing that, you know, it's YouTube and Google, two of the biggest, you know, companies on the planet, those different things, that they would have at least been able to provide me the specific examples or clips or the timestamp at minimum of when I made these specific calls to violent acts against individuals or a defined group of people. But this is going to be a shock to nobody. They didn't cite a single specific example of these calls to violence from that episode. Not one. And so you're sitting there thinking like, well, I remember writing that episode. I remember recording that episode. I remember putting that out to everybody. And I remember nobody saying anything. No one said boo uh, about the, anything in that episode. It's like, oh man, that was a little rough. You kind of called some people to you know, hurt some other people because it didn't happen. 
Okay. So they do allow you to do an appeal process, which is basically nonsense, but you know, I, it was incumbent upon me because I, I like order and I like specificity and I don't want there to be a big gap in my, you know, playlist and something like that where oh, all of a sudden this episode doesn't exist. And so I appealed it. And the thing about it is they rejected the appeal in less time than it would have taken them to actually go back and rewatch the video and, and, you know, check it for bad content. Okay, so you know the appeals process was ridiculous. I probably got rejected by a computer or a robot or or some algorithm or something like that. So at least on YouTube, you guys, episode 331 of this podcast does not exist anymore. Now, as soon as I put that out there, a lot of you guys were like, you need to go to Rumble, which is hilarious because you're telling me to go to Rumble and we're already on Rumble. And and that's just kind of the thing. On Rumble, we get like, I'm, I'm not kidding, like two or three listen or watches per episode. That's it. Like Rumble is just so unbelievably far behind YouTube. So uh, again, I appreciate you guys telling me, hey, go to this platform, go to that platform. We're on a lot of those other platforms. It just kind of is what it is. YouTube is the dominant hegemon in this entire space. So the reality of what's happening here, guys, is that our voice is being censored. Okay. Because I'm talking about things that people that work at these companies don't like. I'm talking about things that people that work at these companies don't want me to say out loud. This is outright censorship, especially since they can't even provide me an example where I could even give an explanation, anything like that. And guys, the reality is, and I've known this really from the beginning is as the show continues to grow, which had seen explosive growth, especially in the last year or two, this will continue to happen. Okay. So we're going to be censored from different platforms. And the problem is, is when you build out your entire business, when you build out your, your cash flow, when you build out your revenue based on these things that can be turned off, that's a problem. So you can build up this big YouTube channel, make a lot of money off of advertisements. And all of a sudden YouTube could be like, oh, we don't really like what you're talking about. Here's your strike three, which is basically how they do it. Third strike. And then they turn off the spigot of money and they also turn off the eyeballs to your channel. Same thing can happen with Patreon. I get asked all the time, Kyle, well, you know, why aren't you on Patreon? The same thing. If they understand what I'm talking about and the way that I talk about it, they can literally just turn my Patreon off. We've seen that happen with, with other content creators around the globe, especially in the last several years. And so this is why we talk about wanting to insulate undaunted life from people being able to shut off the financial spigot. Okay. And so this is the big call to action for you guys at the beginning of this episode It's to become donors for undaunted life. I know I talk about that and I mention it just, you know, quickly on all these other different episodes, but if you like the content that we create and you want it to continue and you basically want to, you know, thumb your nose at the, the tech establishment and big tech that is wanting to censor our content, we need you. Like there's no two ways about it. I sent an email out to everybody that's on our email list, basically saying the same thing. Guys, when you donate to us, that's how we're able to keep the lights on. That's how we're able to maintain and create the content. That's how we're going to be able to bring you all the stuff that we're going to be bringing you next year in 2023. It's the only way that we can make that happen. So guys, in the show notes, you can go to undaunted.life backslash donate. That link is in the show notes. Undaunted.life backslash donate. Become a monthly donor. Become a, a monthly supporter of what we're doing here. If you want us to be able to equip men, to push back darkness all over the globe. We need you. And also support our, our sponsors and our partners because we have different sponsors that come up on the show. Like that's another way to support what we're doing here because that's going to keep our relationship and deepen our relationship with those sponsors. So guys, you know, with origin, so that's the, the geese and the boots and the jeans and all the supplements go to originmain.com promo code Kyle for 10% off Casey cattle company that all those will be in the show notes as well. Guys use the promo code Kyle to get 15% off with Casey cattle company. When you support our sponsors, you are supporting our show. So I just want to give you guys the background on all that stuff because I know a lot of people were asking questions last week because of what we put on social media, but that is the, the, I guess the long and short of that story.
All right, so guys, we're going to do the quick, quick hitters here, and I'm just going to do these in the order that I jotted them down on my phone, okay? So there's no, like, you know, descending order, or, you know, this story became before that story, but I'm just going to try to get through all these in 60 seconds or less. I'm a little nervous, but let's just get after it. All right, the first one here, there was another racist incident that garnered national attention until it was found out to be like most other racist incidents, which is to say that it was a complete hoax. So Duke women's volleyball player, Rachel Richardson, who is black, which shouldn't matter, but she is black, claimed that every time she came up to serve while playing at BYU against BYU on August the 26th, that she was called the N-word. Now, obviously, you know, this became national attention, international attention. Oh my gosh, this racist thing that happened at this Mormon school and all these different things until they checked Every person that was at the event, they checked all the video, they checked all the feeds. This never happened. And it's a ridiculous story. If you think about it, you're telling me that there was somebody that every time this, this girl came up to serve, that they would yell out a word that would literally get them canceled from society, kicked out of university and ruin their life. Okay. But this is what we see with all these racist incidences and all these things. They're almost always a hoax. All right. Next one here. Earlier this month, while playing against the Texas Rangers, New York Yankee slugger Aaron Judge hit his 62nd home run of the season. So here's the thing with Aaron Judge. He is now the rightful home run king. There really is no debate because have people hit more home runs in a season? Yes. Their names are Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa. All dirty, rotten cheaters. Every last one of them. Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs, maybe in the hardest era in baseball to do so because pitchers, you only see the starting pitcher, you know, two times through the lineup and then everybody coming out of the bullpen throws, you know, up upwards of hundred miles an hour with the hook. So Aaron judge is now the home run King. Congratulations to Aaron judge. Next one here, Yeshiva university in New York city may be forced to allow an LGBTQ student group on their campus. My understanding is Yeshiva uh, university is either the oldest or uh, one of the oldest Jewish universities in the country. And it's there in New York city. And the thing about it is, is they decided that they were going to sustain spend all student organizations after the Supreme Court denied their attempt to not recognize the LGBTQ organization. So this is obviously an attack on religious liberty. This is a case that everybody needs to really focus on because there's a bunch of stuff and Yeshiva's trying to uh, basically do what they need to do. But obviously, if you come from a, a Jewish worldview, you can't support the LGBTQ agenda. But in our modern society, you have to. And you have to bow before the golden calf of the LGBTQ lobby or you're going to be destroyed for it. So we need to make sure we keep paying attention to that one. Next one, red state governors flying illegal immigrants to blue cities. So we've seen this uh, with Texas governor and Florida governor. We've seen them basically sending these illegal immigrants to different places, to Chicago, to D.C., to New York City, uh, to Martha's Vineyard and those, and those different things. It's a very interesting thing that these places that have declared themselves sanctuary cities, they get really, really overwhelmed when a few dozen or a few hundred of these people that they are supposedly providing the sanctuary for are thrust upon them. So they all of a sudden like freak out. So New York City, you know, a, a, one of the biggest, you know, populated cities in the entire world, they get a few hundred illegal immigrants from Florida and Texas. And all of a sudden they, they can't keep their social services running. Now, it's a little weird whenever you're using, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, these people are being used as pawns in the political scheme or whatever. But every single person that gets on a bus or on an airplane and is shipped to a blue city, they sign a waiver saying that that's exactly what they want to do. They're not being round up and, you know, uh, you know, roped up or something like that and tossed on these buses. They're going because that's exactly where they want to go. They want to go to New York. They want to go to Chicago. They want to go to Martha's Vineyard. So I do find it to be very hilarious. It's like, guys, I'm sorry when your policies and your viewpoints are smacking you in the face. Next one here. Queen Elizabeth II died on September the 8th of uh, this year, and it was at the age of 96. So don't have a whole lot to say about this because not a whole lot of people had a lot of bad things to say about Queen Elizabeth II. Some people after she died were talking about, oh, you know, white supremacy and, you know, the 
the everything that happened with the English and, you know, basically kind of spreading Western culture around the globe and all these different things. And it's just like, okay, can we just talk about how this, this woman who is widely respected by everybody, even people that didn't agree with her worldview, really, really respected her. So died at the age of 96, rest in peace to her. Next one here. According to the Guttmacher Institute, and again, this is a very, very left-wing pro-abortion institute, the Guttmacher Institute, at least 66 abortion clinics in the United States have closed permanently since the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. So all I can say to that is, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I'm so sorry that your career, which is built around the slaughter of children, has now been disrupted. And it's only 66 now, and I hope we eventually get them all. So I'm absolutely all down for that. Next one here. OU Children's Hospital, that is the children's hospital here that's just about 20 minutes away from my house. They ended their, quote, gender medicine services, unquote, after the governor, Kevin Stitt, and state legislatures, uh, legislators from Oklahoma signaled that they would come for their funding if they kept mutilating children. And so the funny thing about this one, as I was getting primed up to basically do what Matt Walsh was doing, and I was going to majorly put OU Children's Hospital on blast because I found out that they were doing gender reassignment you know, services and, and those types of things. But Governor Kevin Stitt and the Republicans in the state house were already ready to go. And, you know, they basically said, yeah, you can keep your program, uh, but then we're going to remove all your federal funding. We're going to move all these things. And so I guess OU Children's Hospital is way more motivated by their own funding than they are by their own, you know, misguided ideas about how they can change the gender of a child. So amen to that. Next one here, obviously Hurricane Ian happened, before, uh, you know, in the last couple of months. So uh, the the people that are have been affected by that, you know, we feel terribly for them. There are a lot of organizations out there that are supporting the, the people down there. Obviously, millions and millions, if not billions of dollars worth of devastation to property. There was a loss of life and all that. And so a terrible situation. Guys, if you know anybody in that area, if you know some people that are boots on the ground helping out over there, I think you should definitely do so. Next one here. Elon Musk apparently is buying Twitter. So funny thing when I'm talking about episode 331, it looked like he wasn't going to get Twitter. And now it looks like he is going to buy Twitter. He's already signaled that he's going to get rid of like 75% of the workforce. That's probably has a lot more to do with the fact that you didn't really need a lot of those people. You have a lot of people doing the same job and you don't really need as much of that. But then there's probably some of the people that are being kicked out because of ideologically, they're doing things that are against free speech, which Elon Musk apparently is a big supporter of free speech. So Elon Musk is going to be taking over Twitter. He's going to, you know, reinstate a lot of people to the platform. We'll see how that goes. Next one here, Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic Party. So this just happened a couple of weeks ago. And I've talked about Tulsi on this this podcast before because every time she seemingly talked it was like you know she was like almost romancing uh republicans to just be big fans of hers and i was like guys she's a democrat like she believes all these different things but she has officially left the democratic party and the interesting thing about her leaving the democratic party is something i said when i interviewed uh mark wayne mullen here last week is she didn't even mention joe biden because when people leave the Republican Party, they're like, oh, I'm leaving because of Trump. They always say Trump, right? But she didn't mention a single person. She mentioned the things that the modern Democratic Party support, the the woke movements and, and all these other different things. But the reality of Tulsi Gabbard and... The reality is, is that she still believes a lot of things that the Democratic National Convention believes. It's a lot of those same platforms, but she's just done with all the woke stuff. She's done with all, all the demonization of white people and of Republicans and all those different things. She's going out on the campaign trail for a lot of Republicans right now. So it's a really interesting time for her. We'll see if she you know, goes independent. We'll see if she goes into the news media. Who the heck knows? But she's left the Democratic Party and she left it with, uh, you know, she left things on fire. We'll say it that way. Next one here. Alex Jones has to pay over a billion dollars or, or close to a billion dollars in damages to parents of Sandy Hook school shooting and Kanye West was kicked out of JP Morgan Chase banks. And I don't mean like the facility. I mean, all of his billion, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars have been moved out of JP Morgan Chase. So the thing with Alex Jones, 
And the Sandy Hook case, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, he basically came out and said that this was a false flag operation. And then, you know, the parents eventually sued him for that, even though he's apologized. But they're wanting to get him for a billion dollars in damages. Like, they may as well make it $1,000 trillion because it's like he doesn't have a billion dollars. But then you have Kanye West. Obviously, he said some pretty crazy stuff here lately, but he was kicked out of J.P. Morgan Chase. It's one of those things where it seems like people that don't, you know, buy into the, the traditional narrative in any way, shape, or form, now they're being, you know, trying to be silenced, like obviously with what what's what's happening with this court case with Alec Jones, they're doing this to crush him and crush anybody else that would ever try to be him next. And with Kanye West, it's like, hey, you're kind of out of step with the things that we want to do. So here, we're kicking you out of the bank. So there's a whole lot more on those two stories, but that's all I'm going to cover today. Next one here, the school shooter from the Parkland, Florida school shooting was not given the death penalty. So I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. I think it was, it was 17 or 18 people were murdered that day by this shooter, students and teachers, and they didn't give him the death penalty. So my understanding in the state of Florida is that it has to be unanimous from the jury for them to give the death penalty. And apparently there was one person on the the jury that was vehemently against the death penalty and something like that. So how the heck did this person even get on the jury to begin with? Who the heck knows? But this person should be dead, obviously. And they should be dead already, right? The, the shooting happened several years ago. The person was clearly guilty. They were in their right mind when they did this. And they, it doesn't matter if they're in the right mind now, they should no longer be a part of society and the taxpayers of Florida should not have to sit around and for decades keep this monster alive. He needs to die. The death penalty is there for a reason. It is an absolute travesty that they didn't use it here in this case. Next one here, going back to Kanye West. He went viral a few weeks ago for going on Tucker Carlson tonight. So a lot of the clips from that went viral. Obviously, he was talking about the abortion issue. He was talking about money. He was talking about all kinds of other different things in the black community, things like that. But then he followed that up within the next few weeks by saying things that were like blatantly anti-Semitic. And that's the thing that I wanted to kind of caution people. Like, it's not exactly the same, with, same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. But when someone from culture or someone from not your party says things that you like, just be careful. Like, don't go full bore and be like, oh, I'm a Kanye West person. now. I'm going to vote for him for president. I literally know people that voted for Kanye West for president. It's like, God, what a loser. How, how, how could you be so stupid? But the thing about it is, is just when people say things that you agree with, acknowledge that they agree with you on this one particular thing, but keep your mind right. Like, like keep yourself sharp because there's a lot of people that are big Kanye West people that they've been scrambling or they've been very, very quiet over the last couple of weeks because he's been horrifically terrible in some of the things that he's been saying publicly. All right, next one here. Planned Parenthood is planning on opening up mobile baby killing clinics so that they can provide what they would call abortion care near states that protect unborn children. So let's say, uh, so basically what they're doing is like, let's say there's a state, so Oklahoma. So I think, you know, abortion is going to be, you know, basically the wild west in Colorado. So where Oklahoma and Colorado meet, they're going to set up like a, a van or some sort of bus or something like that on the border on the Colorado side so that women from Oklahoma can travel there to murder their children. So if you don't think Planned Parenthood is about abortion, I want you to remember things like this. They're literally setting up mobile clinics, not to give mammograms. Not to give STI tests, not to give cancer screenings for women, not to do pap smears so that they can kill children. That's what Planned Parenthood is on this planet to do, to kill children and make you pay for the right for them to do that. All right, next one here. There's an ex-cop that killed 35 people at a daycare in Thailand, including 24 sleeping children. So this is a country I'm not really familiar with their uh, with their gun laws or anything like that, but... You know, we get so caught up in in the dangerous things and the horrible things that happen here, but evil is prominent all over the globe. And again, a whole lot of people didn't hear about this because it didn't happen in our backyard. But again, 35 people at a daycare. 
and 24 of them were sleeping children. Just just an unfathomable level of malevolence and you know satanic drive and just just a horrible, horrible thing. Hopefully this guy is killed very, very soon. Next thing here, the CDC panel, this just came out, this is all over the place. A CDC panel of 15 people voted unanimously to add, I don't even know if I can say this anymore, I'll just keep saying the C word. You know, because I think you guys know what I'm talking about when I say the C word. I don't want this show to get dinged to add the C word shots to children's required vaccination lists in order to attend school. And then immediately Pfizer shockingly doubled the sale price of their vaccines. CDC says, yeah, yeah, we just need to add this to the schedule for these kids, even though there's there's really nothing to say that it would protect them. And then Pfizer doubles the sale price within a week. It's almost like this has been part of the plan from the beginning. Doesn't that seem interesting? And all these blue areas and blue states, they're just going to go along with this. So if your kid wants to go to the government schools in those areas, they're going to have to get the C word, V word, right? And, you know, hopefully for most of you, you live in a state where you're going to have a red governor that's going to say, no, we're not doing that. There's already been a lot of red state governors that have basically signaled, yeah, we're not going to allow for that. Not on our watch. So that'll be a good thing, but we'll see how that goes. Next one here. Pfizer, again, apparently didn't test their COVID vaccine for blocking the transmission of the virus. Okay. So again, in order for things, I think I just said the COVID word. All right. I've already, you know, broken the ceiling. So here we go. But they were supposed to test it, obviously, because what we were sold this entire time is, hey, don't just get the vaccine to save yourself. Don't do that. You need to get the vaccine to save yourself and potentially to save others. But Pfizer, this was uh, at some you know conference over in uh, Europe or something like that. Uh, one of the executives from Pfizer basically admitted, yeah, we didn't we didn't test this for whether or not it would block the transmission of the virus from one you know carrier to another. Which is the whole point of why you did this. This is what you sold to us. You have to get the vaccine to save grandma. You have to get the vaccine to save the kids. But apparently that was all bogus from the beginning. Again, it all seems like it was part of the plan. Next one here, the Prime Minister of Canada, one of the worst people on planet Earth, Justin Trudeau, has put in force a federal ban on buying, selling, and transferring handguns. Now, the interesting thing about this is not that long ago, Canada did the same thing with assault rifles. And now, you know, so-called assault rifles, they can't even define what that is. And now it's handguns. So when people talk about the slippery slope fallacy, I want to talk about this. So when people in our country, like Joe Biden, this is going to be one of his big drums he's going to beat as long as he can stay conscious, is getting rid of so-called assault rifles. And then when people like me are going to say, yeah, you just want to get rid of those rifles so that you can eventually set up a scaffolding to where you can take away all rifles and then all handguns, all firearms in general. So it's always a slippery slope fallacy until it becomes predictive history. Okay, next one here. Gordon Ryan became the greatest no-gi grappler of all time, and he's only, I think, 27 years old. So ADCC, uh, that is, you know, the biggest no-gi championship tournament in the globe for jujitsu. That tournament was here just a few weeks ago. Gordon Ryan did something that, that no one's ever done. There's usually a super fight, and then there's also your division that you do. So he ran through his division, won all four of his matches, three of them by sub, And then he took on who most people consider to be the greatest ADCC competitor of all time, Andre Galvao. He's the one that gave me my jujitsu nickname, the Viking. And he went in there and he absolutely dominated Andre Galvao and he dominated everybody in his division. He talked so much trash heading into this event. It was just an incredible performance. It's one of those things like, yeah, I can't, you know, co-sign all his trash talk, but there's something about people that talk a mad amount of trash and then go in there and back it up. 
it was just a crazy circumstance to have four matches in two days, and then right after you win your championship in your division, just a few hours later, you go and grapple one of the greatest Nogi grapplers of all time who's fresh, who hasn't had to compete or do anything before that. Just an incredible, incredible performance. It's one of the most dominant things I've ever seen in sports. I was literally trying to think of other examples. This goes back to when you know Wilt Chamberlain first came into the NBA, and he was playing against a bunch of you know six-foot-two centers. Like it's, it's just he's on a completely different level in terms of jiu-jitsu. All right, just a few more left. Next one here. Biden recently said that his first legislative priority in 2023 would be to make abortion legal federally. He just announced this like last week. And none of this makes any sense. Because obviously, if you have a functioning brain, which, you know, Joe Biden, it's a dubious thing at this point. He runs the the White House and the Democrats, his party, run both houses of Congress, the Senate and the House. So why wasn't this a priority at any point? during the first two years of his administration. Why is he just now signaling, uh, you know, a few weeks before the midterms, hey, this is my first legislative priority. This is all window dressing. So you have to understand that this is all window dressing because the abortion issue is one of the only issues that Democrats are winning on right now. Because they're losing on illegal immigration, they're losing on crime, they're losing on schooling, they're certainly losing on the economy, they're losing on taxation, they're losing on all these other issues. And so they're trying to force issues down your throat, like abortion, LGBTQ stuff, obviously the trans agenda, climate change, or whatever they're calling it now. Like, that's the things they're trying to get you to focus on. This is bogus. This is nonsense. And he's setting it up to where when the Republicans definitely take the House and if they take the Senate, he'll be like, oh, you know, I would have made abortion legally, uh, you know, legal federally. But, you know, here we are. They, they control Congress. It's those dirty, rotten Republicans that hate women. So he's just setting some stuff up for later. Another one here. Biden released millions of gallons of gas. I think it was 15 million gallons of gas from the United States' strategic oil reserve in order to bring down gas prices just before the midterm season. So this is seen as a crazy thing that people have done because obviously he went over to Saudi Arabia. That did not go well. He didn't get OPEC to do any of the things that he wanted to do. And here he is now. He's releasing stuff from our oil reserve, which is there for a reason because we need to reserve it. But he's releasing it simply to bring down gas prices by, you know, a few cents before the midterms. So he's using the strategic oil reserve, which is for the country to remain sustainable in the event of some sort of disaster or warfare or something like that. He's doing all of that just to maybe gain some points with people that are going to be voting in the voting booth here in a few weeks. This is an absolutely crazy thing. All right, the last quick, quick hitter is there's apparently something called the butt baby. Okay, I would have brought a picture up of this, but all the pictures I I found were fuzzy or whatever. But basically, this is a way for, I'm trying to get all all the wording right, for a trans woman, which is to say a man that thinks he's a woman. Okay, I think I, I cleared that to feel the the grandeur and awesomeness of giving birth to a baby. So what a butt baby is, is a silicone-like molded baby, you know, like a little newborn baby or whatever, that you can shove up your rectum and then force out of your booty hole and pretend as if it was a baby being born through your non-existent vagina. If you thought that was the most uh, crazy thing I was going to talk about today, you'd be wrong because we're going to talk about more crazy stuff here in a second. But that's an actual thing. So when you want to talk about the degradation of society, the degradation of culture, this is what we're talking about. Because when you look at the LGBTQ revolution, especially on you know the, the trans side of things, this was obviously going to come at some point. But just think about the depravity of that, that somebody out there is profiting off of people that are mentally ill and giving them something to shove up their butts so they can pretend that they're giving birth. That's apparently the world that we live in now. All right, 
I guess now we've talked about enough. We can get to the actual quick hitter. So let's go into the first one here. Jordan Peterson going viral for getting upset when asked by Pierce Morgan in a recent interview here if he is the intellectual hero to incels. So I want to read the description of this viral clip from the Pierce Morgan Uncensored YouTube channel. So here's the description here. Clinical psychologist Dr. Jordan B. Peterson joined Pierce Morgan uncensored for a discussion on a variety of topics. In this segment, Jordan is questioned by Pierce on some recent comments from actress and director Olivia Wilde, who said one of the characters in her latest film, Don't Worry Darling, was based on this insane man called Jordan Peterson, a pseudo-intellectual hero for, mo- for, for the incel community. Peterson gives an emotional response to this comparison and criticism, suggesting he thought the marginalized were meant to have a voice. So I'm going to go ahead and play this. You know, this was like an, an hour long interview or something like that, but I'm just going to play a couple of minutes here so you can hear, uh, you know, the interaction between these two guys. So here we go. I've got to wrap it up. I don't want to, but I have to. Uh, I want to ask you just quickly, uh, the film director, Olivia Wilde, oh. has a new movie out, which yeah. is, she says is based on you, this insane man, this pseudo intellectual hero to the incel community, incel being these weirdo loner men uh, who are you know, despicable in many ways. Is that you? Are you the intellectual hero to these people? Sure. Why not? You know, um, people have been after me for a long time by, because I've been speaking to disaffected young men. You know, what a terrible thing to do that is. I thought the marginalized were supposed to have a voice. It's making you emotional talk about it. Well, God, you know. It's very difficult to understand how demoralized people are. And certainly many young men are in that category. And you get these casual insults, these, these incels. What do they mean? It's like, well, these men, they're, they don't know how to make themselves attractive to women who are very picky and good for them. Women, like, be picky. That's, that's your gift, man. Demand high standards from your men. Fair enough. But all these men who are alienated, it's like they're lonesome and, and, and they don't know what to do. And everyone piles abuse on them. When she said that, Olivia Wilde, it, it stung you, didn't it? I saw the Oh, by that time, you know, that as far as, as criti- critiques go, that was kind of low level. I mean, once I got painted as Red Skull, you know, magical super Nazi... That was kind of the end of the insults. There's no place past that. So obviously, even in that short clip, there's a lot to unpack. But immediately, everybody in the left-wing media and the Twitter and the blogosphere and all those different things, they they castigated him as a crybaby. And all the headlines were like, Jordan Peterson cries because of what Olivia Wilde told us, you know, said about him or something like that. But they're not actually listening to the clip because obviously you don't need to do that. You just put out the headline, you get your clicks, and then, you, you know, you move on with all the money that you've generated from doing that. But I think the key thing that he said there was obviously after kind of a long dramatic pause because he was getting upset was... I thought the marginalized were supposed to have a voice, which is an interesting thing in our modern culture where we're constantly talked or we're being talked to and talked at about all these marginalized communities and what we as people of power and people of privilege should do to help and to support and to lift up these marginalized communities. But you have this entire, I guess the best way to describe it is as an underclass of men that are sitting around playing video games, watching porn, jerking off eating pizza, drinking Mountain Dew, 
They're not trying to get jobs. They're not trying to help society. They're not trying to support their community. They're not trying to get married. They're definitely not trying to have kids or any of those types of things. And then some of those guys, so this is the actual crux of the issue as kind of why they're attacking him. He has become a hero. Jordan Peterson has become a hero to a lot of those guys. And a lot of those guys that were languishing in in their choices and wasting away their God-given potential, they have gotten their butts up and started getting after it because of Jordan Peterson. And then you have these people like Olivia Wilde, who is the only reason she's famous is because she has a very nice looking face. These people just like, oh, he's this pseudo intellectual that's, you know, just basically trying to help out all these men. It's like, well, yeah, shouldn't we help out these men? And this goes into the entire thing about culture, basically saying men are not necessary, that the best version of a man is a quiet one that doesn't rock the boat and or a woman that thinks she is a man. That's the best version of a man, right? And so we get to this point in society where it's like, okay, it's good that you've said these things, that you've said your opinions, but you have a man that is literally helping people put their lives back together. To, to start getting jobs and contributing to society, paying taxes, which you love taking from people and, you know, putting into all your other useless programs. And this is a bad thing. He's an evil pseudo intellectual because he's trying to help out these men. And the thing about it is the stuff that Jordan Peterson does is not necessarily targeted. So, so if you think about it, it's not like a targeted marketing campaign. Like he didn't write 12 rules for life for the involuntary celibate community, right? That's just a community that when they found the book, it was something that something in it was attractive to them, right? They didn't get it from some health self-help book or some, you know, you know, random pastor or some random person that was like, Hey, you know, you can do it and you can figure this out. And, you know, a Instagram influence or something like that. It was Jordan Peterson. He's helping these people out. So my big takeaway on this story is obviously in this entire thing, Jordan Peterson got emotional. He got upset. If you've watched him and listened to him for any length of time, the dude just gets upset. Like he's a very emotional guy and he cries and he feels things so deeply. So my big takeaway is that men should not be ruled by their emotions, but there are certainly times when emotions are appropriate and necessary. I mean, even look at this podcast on this, you know, particular, not this episode, but on a lot of different podcasts, like I've been in tears. Like just recently with Sarah Wilkinson on the show, I mean, we were almost in tears off air. Then I hit record and then within a couple of minutes, we're both in tears. Like there are times when emotions are necessary. And I think this is one of those times for Jordan Peterson is that emotion and showing emotion was incredibly necessary and appropriate in the situation that he found himself in. And guys, when you feel so deeply about something, it's okay to have some emotions. Now, if you let your emotions, whether that be sadness or despair or anger or lethargy, or, or any of those types of things. Well, lethargy is not exactly an emotion, but I think you get the point. If you let those things rule your life, then you are captive to the whims of those emotions. So for me, shock to nobody, ginger, anger is one of those things that has driven a lot of my bad decisions in my life. So that's something that I've had to get on the better side of. I've talked about this a lot. I used to watch a lot of sports, big time Cardinals fan. I've basically stopped watching Cardinals games because I couldn't control my emotions. For, for a game that has nothing to do with me that I have no impact on or input on, right? And so for me, my life and the lives of the people around me have gotten significantly better because I'm not letting my emotions control me. I've gotten more control over my emotions. And obviously, if you come from a Judeo-Christian worldview, if you have a Christian gospel-centered ethic, you should not let your emotions dictate anything because it's the truth of the gospel that you should be driving people to. And if you're too busy freaking out or too busy sitting over there in the corner in despair, it's going to be hard to share that with people. All right, guys, next quick... Huh, messing it up. 
right? This is what happens whenever I leave the studio for a little bit. I can't even say quick hitters. There it is. I did it. Let's go, guys. Next one here. California Governor Gavin Newsom putting the words of Jesus on billboards across the United States to convince people to come to California to kill their children. So this is according to Business Insider. Governor Gavin Newsom's pro-abortion campaign has transcended beyond California's borders as he placed billboards in seven states with restrictive abortion bans to taunt governors and inform residents about the new informational abortion website. We want women to know that we have their backs, Newsom told the Washington Post, which first reported the efforts. We care. They matter. And we're not going to turn our backs on them because they're from another state. The advertisements which tout California's recently launched informational website can be seen in Texas, Indiana, Mississippi, Ohio, South Carolina, South Dakota, and right here in Oklahoma. I'm doing this because I'm privileged to be able to do it, Newsom told the Washington Post. I'm doing this because I care. I'm doing it because the people that support my candidacy support this. And when many heard about this, they wanted to support additional efforts like it to be fully transparent with you. Okay. So I want to actually show you guys. And so if you're not watching this, this will be on, you know, the Dirty Rotten Evil YouTube and also Rumble and all the other places we have the video. But this is what the billboard reads uh, for the ones that he put up in Oklahoma and Mississippi. And so you see this, this girl, like she's, you know, curled up on the couch, looking out the window. Obviously she's despondent. They're trying to, you know, pitch her as, you know, this girl's pregnant and doesn't want to be pregnant. So here's how the, the billboard reads. Need an abortion? California is ready to help. Visit abortion.ca.gov to learn more. And then here's the crux of everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Mark 12, 31. So obviously, on this billboard, advertising the murder of children, of people that have the image of Christ on them, he's quoting from Mark's gospel. And not shockingly, he takes the scripture completely out of context. So only morons would think that this applies to the thing he's talking about. So let me read this entire passage here. It'll be quick. But this is Mark 12, 28 through 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus said that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I love that. That's one of my favorite scriptures ever. They're like, crap. We thought we trapped him. He totally screwed us. This is not, this is a big, big problem for us. So my big takeaway on this story is these satanic worshipers of baby murder, like Gavin Newsom, will literally stop at nothing to make sure that you kill your children. I mean, just think about the pitch. Hey, for those of you in, in Mississippi and Oklahoma and all these other places with these restrictive abortions uh, or abortion laws or whatever, come to California. Right. We, we've got perfect weather. It never rains here. Like, you know, we can, you know, take you on roads and drive you to the abortion clinic and we'll make sure that we avoid all the tent cities and all of the crap on the sidewalks. But we can get you over here. So come on out. We'll put you on the beach when it's time for your appointment. We'll take you. You know, you'll go in with two people. We only come out with one. It's all good. And they will literally stop at nothing because it's macabre enough just to advertise that. Basically, come to California for, for vacation, kill your baby, and then go back home. It's macabre enough that companies all over the country that are in these terrible, awful red states that love not killing people, they're sending their employees to these demonic 
you know, these demonically ran states so that they can kill their kids so that they can come back to work on Monday. But now it's let's use scripture. Let's literally use the red letter words of Jesus to describe how people should feel about this entire thing. Okay. Because they're just taking scripture out of context for fun now. And the thing is, is Christians bear a little bit of responsibility in this because we don't have a culture that actually reads the Bible. Okay. So I've got one of my Bibles here. You know, I got, you know, I got my notes and I got things going on in it. But to be honest, I've had huge stretches of my, my Christian life where I haven't even looked at this thing. Like at all. And, and that's kind of what our culture does is we're, you know, we're colloquially Christian. We're, we're Christian in name, but we don't actually read the good book. Because there are probably some squishy Christians or people that would at least self-identify as Christians that would read that billboard and be like, yeah, you know what? That kind of makes sense. You know, when I talk about the, the pro-abortion issue, which again, I, I've, I've done some speaking at churches uh, about the pro-abortion issue and how to defeat those arguments. There's a lot of Christians that fall into these arguments because they seem plausible and they seem right. And a satanic person will use the scripture and the words of Jesus to make these people feel bad if they don't do their policy prescriptions, especially as it pertains to abortion. Okay. And in our culture, we love when our scriptures can fit on a coffee mug and fit on a t-shirt and fit on, you know, a bumper sticker or something like that. And then when you lose the context of the scripture and when you lose the context of the greater story of the Bible, it becomes a major, major issue. Next quick hitter here, and this is related to the last one, Pastor John MacArthur, whose church is in Los Angeles, I believe, he wrote an open letter to Governor Newsom after, you know, this whole debacle with the, the billboards, calling him to repentance. So this is according to Fox News. A prominent Christian pastor in Los Angeles issued an open letter Thursday that rebuked, this would have been two Thursdays ago, I think, that rebuked Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom for his recent multi-state billboard campaign that promoted abortion by quoting Jesus. Pastor John MacArthur, 83, who serves as senior pastor of Grace Community Church in Los Angeles, also accused the governor of exhibiting a worldview whose diabolical effects have effectively trashed the state, leading to epidemics of crime, homelessness, sexual perversion like homosexuality and transgenderism, and other malignant expressions of human misery that stem directly from corrupt public policy. So there, there's a lot more there, but I actually want to read a little bit from the letter. So it's like a three-page open letter. So I, I put that in the show notes so you guys can check that out. But there's a few sections that I want to pull out from the letter that John MacArthur wrote to Gavin Newsom. So here's from the letter. In mid-September, you revealed the entire to the entire nation how thoroughly rebellious against God you are when you sponsored billboards across America promoting the slaughter of children whom he created in the womb, according to Psalm 139, 13 through 16, and Isaiah 45, 9 through 12. You further compounded the wickedness of that murderous campaign with a re reprehensible act of gross blasphemy, quoting the very words of Jesus from Mark 12, 31, as if you could somehow twist his meaning and arrogate his name in favor of butchering unborn infants. This is a little bit later in the letter. Furthermore, you chose words from the lips of Jesus without admitting that in the same moment he gave the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength from Mark 12, 30. You cannot love God as he commands while aiding in the murder of his image bearers. And then we'll skip down a little bit more in the letter here. My concern, Governor, uh, Governor Newsom, is that your own soul lies in grave eternal peril. Each one of us will give an account to, of himself to God. That's Romans 14, 12. One day, not very long from now, you will face that reality. Nothing is more certain. It is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. That's Hebrews 9.27. You will stand in the presence of the holy God who created you, who is your judge, and he will demand that you give an account for how you have flouted his authority in your governing and how you have twisted his, his own holy word to rationalize it. As you look over the precipice of eternity, what will your answer be? 
When you look ahead of you and see that nothing awaits but eternal misery, the just judgment of your sins, what will all the clever rationalizations and political talking points avail you from then? And by then it will be too late for any remedy or redemption. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's Hebrews 10 31. My plea to you, sir, is that you would not let it come to that, that you would not go on that day of judgment apart from receiving forgiveness and righteousness through faith in Christ alone. Our church and countless Christians worldwide or not nationwide, he said, are praying for you and for your full repentance. Please respond to the gospel, forsake the path of wickedness you have pursued all your life, turn to Christ, ask for forgiveness, and use your office to advance the cause of righteousness, as is your duty, instead of undermining it, as has been your pattern. So just a blistering letter from John MacArthur to Gavin Newsom. And so my big takeaway on this one is I hope he does repent. So to anyone that you would see as your enemy, so in this particular case, he seems to be a political enemy on the Democratic side of this, on the pro-abortion side of things. You should want them to turn from their ways, you know, regardless whether they're a terrorist or a serial killer or whatever, you should want them to turn away from their sinful lifestyle to repent and to turn towards Christ. Now, it was interesting in that, even in the last thing, and I don't want to, you know, trigger all the reform people here, but he's saying a bunch of things that you basically have to have free will to do. You know, please respond to the gospel, forsake the path of wickedness that you pursued, turn to Christ, ask for forgiveness. It seems like you're going to have to make some decisions there, but, you know, we'll leave that for another day and we'll debate that with some other people. But I I certainly have my doubts uh, about someone like Gavin Newsom turning his life around, but we should all want that, right? And I got to be honest, and I'll be the first one to admit I always forget to pray for people that completely and vehemently disagree with me. You know, I'm trying to equip you guys to be able to push back darkness. And when you're pushing it back, back against darkness, you're pushing back against people that have darkness in them, right? You're pushing it back against people that have darkness in the things that they support and the things that they believe. And so th- this is a really, really big deal for a lot of you guys. But it's very, very important for us to continue to pray for these people. So I like that uh, John MacArthur gave us a reminder to do so. All right, guys, this is the last quick hitter of the day. And like I told you before, this is going to be triggering for a lot of you, and I don't really care. So two pit bulls mauled a two-year-old girl and a five-month-old baby boy to death and almost killed their mother in the process. So this is according to the New York Post. A Tennessee mother of two is now in stable condition with stitches and bite marks over her entire body after attempting to intervene when her two pit bulls, her two pit bulls, mauled her toddlers to death Wednesday. This was a few Wednesdays ago. Uh, ago. Kirsty Jan Bernard, 30, was severely injured by the dogs when she tried to pull them off of her five-month-old baby, Hollis Dean, and her two-year-old girl, Lily Jane, just outside of their home in Shelby County, Tennessee. Both of the children were pronounced dead at the scene, according to a Twitter post made by Shelby County Sheriff's Office. Bernard's condition is reportedly stable, but the mother has an uncountable amount of stitches and bite marks over her entire body, including her face. Jeff Gordon, the uncle and husband of Colby Bernard, wrote on Facebook. While details of how the attack unfolded, and why the pets became aggressive remain unclear. The tragic tragic incident reportedly lasted about 10 minutes, according to Gibson. The pets, Cheech and Mia, were part of the family for more than eight years without violent incident. So again, if you're watching this on one of the video platforms, I'm putting up a picture of this family right now, okay? So look at this family. Look at those two young kids and look at the family of four picture. When you imagine people that own pit bulls, did you have a different thing in mind? Is this the the ex-con, you know, covered in tattoos and they've got their pit bull that they saved and they claim that it saved their life and blah, 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 and all these things? No, and you, you can't tell much from a picture, but look at these people. It's just a sweet, seemingly suburban, normal family of four. Two-year-old girl and a five-month-old boy. 
And that family is destroyed now because of a freaking animal. Okay? Now, the thing about this particular story is that I could have just read you the headline and none of the details. And you would have been able to fill in the blanks and fill in the gaps with other similar stories of pit bulls mauling people to death. Is that because the news media has a vendetta against the breed as we've heard? No, it's not because of that. Is it because social media likes to sensationalize stories involving this breed so they can get more clicks? Nope, it's not because of that either. It's because consistently, without fail, pit bulls far and away above any other breed of dog are responsible for mauling people to death, and it's almost always children and elderly folks. Okay? Now, when this story came out, I posted about it on Instagram. I think I just posted about it on stories. And immediately, the level of backlash I got in DMs and emails and all that was astonishing. It was astonishing. Again, considering the stuff that I talk about, I talk about, you know, sexual abuse in the church and the mutilization, uh, mutilation, uh, mutilization, there it is, of children. And I talk about abortion and I talk about immigration. I talk about everything, everything that could possibly trickle, trigger anybody, right? I was really, really sarcastic during Pride Month, as it were, right? Nothing, nothing in my entire career of doing this has compared to the pit bull apologists that came out of the woodwork to tell me how stupid I was. And we'll look at their arguments here in a second. But to talk about pit bulls a little bit, I've been around pit bulls my entire life in one form or another, never owned a pit bull, but a lot of my friends have owned pit bulls. A lot of people's houses that I went over to had pit bulls. I've never had a bad experience. I've never had a mildly bad experience with a pit bull. Pit bulls are super fun animals. They're crazy athletic, super strong. I love playing with them and rough housing and all those different things. If I were a single guy, I would very, very likely have a pit bull and I probably would have rescued one from a pound. So there's my experience with pit bulls, but that doesn't matter in terms of what we're about to talk about. Now, so, so the interesting thing about this is I prepared my notes for this pit bull section last week. And as if on cue, right after I finished preparing my notes for this part of the show, this story pops up on my Twitter. As if on cue, right? This is from Blaze Media. Three pit bulls mall owners elderly mother to death. A woman in Georgia is facing reckless conduct and felony, uh, felony involuntary manslaughter charges after the three pit bulls she owned viciously attacked her mother to death, according to reports. On the evening of October the 7th, police were called to a Troop County residence after a neighbor heard an elderly woman screaming for help out of a window, claiming that her sister had been attacked by dogs. When police arrived, they discovered Rosetta Gesselman, 80 years old, lying in the floor and suffering from visible wounds, according to Sergeant Stuart Smith. Police also found three pit bull and pit bull mastiff mixes, one female and two males at the residence, and all three were behaving very aggressively. As a result, one deputy had to deploy OC pepper spray in the direction of the dogs, which caused the dogs to exit the house through the doggy door, Smith added. Despite the pepper spray, the dogs continued to demonstrate aggression, compelling first responders to put two of them down at the property that evening. The other dog was later euthanized as well. Meanwhile, an ambulance laced, or raced Gesselman to Wellstar West Georgia Medical Center in LaGrange, uh, Georgia, about an hour and a half southwest of Atlanta. Unfortunately, Gesselman later died from her injuries. So I know that this is going to piss a lot of people off. And I can't even describe to you how much I don't care because the truth is going to hurt for some of you. So let's go ahead and dig in. Let's talk about the breed. 
Okay, let's talk about pit bulls. So this is according to the United Kennel Club. Sometime during the 19th century, dog fanciers in England, Ireland, and Scotland began to experiment with crosses between bulldogs and terriers, looking for a dog that combined the gameness of a terrier with the strength and athleticism of a bulldog. The result was a dog that embodied all of the virtues attributed to great warriors, strength, indomitable courage, and gentleness with loved ones. So they kind of screwed the pooch, no pun intended on the last one. And then this quote here, this is according to PETA's Senior VP of Cruelty Investigations. Okay, so this is PETA. So, so this is a quote. Pit bulls were bred to bait bulls. They were bred to fight each other to death. That's the quote. Okay, so this breed was literally bred to not back down in a physical altercation with another animal. Okay, so if you don't know what baiting bull is, so so baiting bulls, that is a sport in which a couple of these dogs, these pit bull dogs would antagonize and attack a bull, right? Like a bull until that animal would give up and collapse and typically die. So this was for pure entertainment and nothing more. And this is what was going on in, you know, England, Scotland and Ireland back in the day. Okay. But bull baiting was criminalized in the 1800s, like the early 1830s, I believe. And owners and breeders of these dogs began training their dogs for ratting and dog fighting. Okay. So ratting is where they literally put the dog in a, you know, in a pen or in a pit with a bunch of rats and it's either the rats are going to win or the dog's going to win. And then they had these dogs get in a pit and fight each other. And that's actually where we get the name pit bull because they were put in pits to fight and, you know, they were put in these pits so that they couldn't escape. But now we need to dig into some of the numbers. Okay. So much of what I'm about to tell you is provided by research compiled by Merritt Clifton. So he's the editor at Animals 24 7. So that's an animal news organization that focuses on humane work and animal cruelty prevention and all that. So let's go into some of these stats. Pitbulls make up less than 6% of the dog population in the U.S. All these stats are going to be from the U.S. Less than 6% of the dog population, but they're responsible for 68% of dog attacks and 52% of dog-related deaths since 1982. Also, Clifton says that for 32 years he's been recording, there has never been a year, never one year, when pit bulls have accounted for less than half of all attacks. One person in the United States is killed by a pit bull every 14 days. Two people are injured by pit bulls every day in the U.S. And in the 10 years from 2009 to 2018, pit bulls killed or maimed 3,569 people in the United States and Canada. Now, the, these stats here are going to be from according to dog bites or dogsbite.org. In the years 2016 through 2021, when pit bulls became homicidal, they killed either their owners or members of their owners' families most of the time. This can be called eracide, and that's from the Latin word eros, which means owner or master of the house. From 2005 to 2020, pit bulls killed Americans at a rate over seven times higher than the next closest breed, which is Rottweilers. They killed over 80% of all Americans who were killed by dogs. In 2020, 15% of fatal dog attacks involved multi-victim attacks. 100% were carried out by pit bulls, of which 86% were inflicted by a single or a pair of pit bulls or of family pit bulls attacking multiple household members. Okay. So most of these attacks are happening in these households. Also, pit bulls can exert 300 pounds of force from their bite. That is enough to snap the femur of a cow. That is the strongest bone in a cow. Okay. Pit bulls are also number one in a bunch of terrible categories. Pit bulls are the number one canine killers of women and girls, killing more than half of the females killed by dogs. Pit bulls are the number one canine killers of children. 
killing more than half of the children killed by a dog. Pitbulls are the number one canine killers of other people's pets and animals, killing more than 75% of those killed by a dog. Also, Pitbulls, because they are so unpredictable and dangerous, are banned in parts of 15 different states under breed-specific laws, and they're banned on all military bases. So the, the some of the states that they're banned in, Iowa, Kentucky, Ohio, Kansas, Missouri, Wisconsin, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, North Dakota, Tennessee, Florida, and Indiana. Those are the 15 states that at least have a, a partial ban on Pitbulls. And also, there are many home and renter's insurance companies that will not cover you if you own a pit bull, or if they do cover you, they will significantly jack up your premiums. Okay. Now guys, I could go on and on and on with the numbers, but I feel like you get the idea. I feel like you get the idea at this point, but now I want to transition into getting into some of the arguments. Okay. Because like I said, there were arguments coming left and right from people, people that I've interacted with before on all these other topics and, you know, people like cheering us on, supporters of the podcast, donors. And I'm going to go through the most common arguments that were given to me, and I'm just going to absolutely eviscerate all of them. Okay, so the most common argument that I got, and this is the most common argument that you'll hear literally from anybody that is like a, a, a pro pit bull, pit bull apologist, right? It's not a problem with the dogs. It's not a problem with the breed. It's a problem with the owners. So we can't blame the pit bulls. We have to blame their owners. Now we'll get to the owners in a second. But when someone says something like this, you have to take them back to what the breed was bred to do. Okay. Hundreds of years ago, what was the breed that we have today bred to do? They were literally bred to fight, to grasp onto other animals and not let go until the other animal stopped moving. That's what they were bred to do. So you have to ask yourself, do you have to train a herding dog to herd sheep? Do you have to train a retriever to retrieve? Do you have to train a pointer to point? No. Like there are things that you can do to make them better at those things and more controllable. But at the end of the day, they are doing what they were bred to do. Nor do you have to train a pit bull to fight and be aggressive. That is what they do. That is what they were bred to do. So when you say this stuff, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth because either, again, if it's the owner's problem or it's not a problem with the breed, either you have to acknowledge the reality that they were bred to do what they are doing or you, not me, you have to make the case that the history of how we got this line of canine is a lie because all the data we've seen, even from pro pit bull people would tell us exactly what this breed was bred to do. We know why they look the way they look. We know why they have such a wide face. We know why they have such a strong jaw. We know why they have such a thick neck and shoulders and musculature. We know that because they were bred to grasp on animals and hold them until they died. So getting to the owners now, the question that you have to ask yourself is in light of the data around pit bull caused fatalities, right? So fatalities caused by pit bulls. Are you saying that the pit bull owners are the only dog owners that are this terrible at owning dogs? Like, really, think about that. So it, it's not the dogs, you know, it's not the breed, it's the owners. So pit bull owners have to be the worst people on planet Earth, right? The absolute worst. Because it's only their dogs, seemingly, that are mauling people to death. It is such a stupid argument because pit bulls are one of only, there's only a couple hundred dog breeds in the United States currently. And yet every single year, 
This one breed accounts for more than 50% in many years, well over 50%, more like 75% of all dog fatalities of all types of dogs. So if you use their argumentation, then you have to assume that the people that own pit bulls literally shouldn't own anything because they're, they're either satanic or they're evil or they're murderous or whatever. So when you're saying it's not the dogs, it's the owners, you are literally putting the onus on these owners for every single one of these attacks. And you're ignoring the fact that a lot of these attacks happen inside of people's own homes. People that love these dogs, that want these dogs to continue to be a part of their lives, then they're just the family pet, right? And we'll get more into that here in a second. So here's another argument that I got from a lot of different people. There are millions of dog bites recorded every year, Kyle. And a lot of those are from small breed dogs. So why are you picking on the pit bulls? I do not care about bites. I care about deaths. And even by your ridiculous argument, pit bulls kill more people and bite more people than any other dog breed. And by all of the other dog breeds combined, you moron. So when you talk about Chihuahuas biting people or Maltese's biting people, or all these other small Pomeranian bites somebody on their finger and doesn't even draw blood. I don't care. And neither should you. It's such a stupid argument. Another stupid argument I've been getting is Kyle. Kyle, listen, listen. The breed isn't aggressive. They're just misunderstood. To which I would say, who exactly is misunderstanding them? I mean, it would seemingly uh, seem like this, these pit bulls have better PR departments than just about any politician or Wall Street banker. Like, I mean, every time you hear about, you know, these dogs mauling someone to death, there's two or three people that are like, oh, this is terrible. We need to do something about this. And all the other comments are about, you don't understand. I've, I've had pit bulls my whole life and we've had a hundred pit bulls and it's never even, you know, growled at anybody or something like that. Okay. They're just misunderstood. But again, go back to the fact that many home and renters insurance companies won't cover pit bull owners. There are many HOAs, homeowners associations, that will not allow you to live in their neighborhood if you have a pit bull, okay? So you have to ask yourself, why would a company that focuses on, on generating revenue or a homeowners association that has to generate you know, revenue from fees and all that, why would they forego potential revenue just because of a misunderstood breed? Why would they do that? These companies are driven by profit. And a lot of them, if they're public companies, they have to generate a profit so that they're doing well by their stakeholders and their stockholders, right? So why would they do that? So I guess, am I misunderstanding because it's misunderstood breed? Am I misunderstanding the data every single effing year, which shows that pit bulls kill overwhelmingly more people than all the other dog breeds in America combined? Like it's just, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do this live. So I remember when I was looking through this, I was looking at a whole bunch of data. I'm just going to Google a random year. Okay, just to prove this to you guys. And I'm going to look at dog fatality statistics. And I'm just going to read off what happened and which, which breed, you know, perpetrated the death or whatever. So here we go. We're doing it live. Okay, so I'm just going to Google dog fatalities, if I can spell fatalities, by breed, by year. Let's see what we got. Okay, so we got Wikipedia here. So, okay, so... This Wikipedia is called List of Fatal Dog Attacks in the United States. Okay, so this has got fatalities from 2020, 2021, and 2022, and they're all in order. So we're just going to start reading from the top here, okay? So January 8th of 2020, 
Taos Pueblo, New Mexico. Kay Torres is a victim's name. She was 52 years old. She was killed by a pack of dogs. Apparently, we don't know what types of dogs they were. January 9th, Dayton, Ohio. Mackenzie Turwell, a four-month-old, a four-month-old, killed by a pit bull. January 10th, Rocks, uh, Rock Castle County, Kentucky. Donald Abner, 55 years old, killed by a pit bull. 25. So this, again, this is not a list of all people killed by pit bulls. This is a list of all people killed by dogs. Okay. So January 25th, Lafayette, Indiana, Julian Con- Connell, one month old, a one month old killed by a pit bull. January the 30th, uh, Atala County, Mississippi, Harvey Harmon Jr., 76 years old, killed by two pit bulls and then two other mixed breeds. February 10th, Oro Grande, California, Sterling Vermeer, five years old, killed by a pit bull. February 11th, Plainville, Plainfield, Illinois, Devin White, 25 years old, killed by a pit bull. February 18th, Knock County, Kentucky, Corey Godsey, 13 years old, killed by a pack of feral dogs. So we don't know what the dogs were. February 23rd, Crawford County, Georgia, Lee Alvin Beecham, 76 years old, killed by two pit bulls and one Labrador mix. Uh, February 27th, Shreveport, Louisiana, Geraldine Hamlin, 64 years old, killed by two pit bulls. March 3rd, Chipley, Florida, Beverly Jean Dove, 60 years old, killed by a pack of dogs. We don't know what kind of dogs. March the 9th, Portsmouth, Virginia, Demi Witherspoon, two years old, killed by a pit bull. April 11th, Portland, Oregon, Frederick Shaw, 70 years old, killed by a Mastiff. April 12th, Fort Worth, Texas, Sharon Renee Baldwin, 60 years old, killed by a pit bull. April the 22nd, Memphis, Tennessee, Doris Arrington, 59 years old, killed by a pit bull. May 7th, uh, Lyons, Georgia, uh, Nancy Shaw, 62 years old, killed by an unknown breed. May the 7th, Fox Lake, Illinois, Lisa Urso, 52 years old, killed by a French bulldog mix, uh, potentially uh, a shorty bull. May the 28th, Mount Vernon, Arkansas, Robert Taylor, nine years old, killed by two pit bulls. Are, are you are you kind of getting the point? You know, we'll, we'll keep going just so we can keep driving this home. Or I guess we don't need to keep driving this home. I feel like you get the point, right? So again, I, I Googled, what did I Google? List, or you heard it, just rewind if you want me to hear that. And you know what we're going to do? I didn't actually read off some of these stories, but there's another column here on the right. What's this column say? This column says circumstances. So let's read the circumstances of these attacks because obviously it's not these, you know, this dog's fault. It's the breed's fault. So let's read uh, about Mackenzie Turwell. This is the four-month-old that was killed by a pit bull. Around midnight, the father of the infant called 911 after he returned to the home and found his daughter on the floor unresponsive. The commander of the Violent Crime Bureau stated that the child had been attacked by the family dog and died from her injuries. The coroner ruled that the death was an accident and stated that the child died from blood loss. The incident is under investigations by their special victims unit. So let's go to uh, Julian Connell. That's the one-month-old that was killed by a pit bull. The pit bull mix was fighting with a beagle mix in the family home. The teenage son removed the beagle from the room to get it away from the pit bull. The pit bull mix then attacked the baby. The coroner stated that the one-month-old Julian died from multiple sharp catastrophic injuries to his head and neck. The boy's mother was sentenced to one year in jail after pleading guilty to neglect of a dependent resulting in bodily injury. Okay, so let's go to let's go to the next one. Harvey Harmon Jr. So 76 years old. So this is an elderly person killed by two pit bulls and two mixed breeds. The victim was pulled out of his wheelchair, pulled out of his wheelchair by four dogs and mauled to death in his front yard in Palestine in the Palestine community. The two pit bulls belonged to Harmon's nephew and the two mixed breeds were strays that hung around the area. Three of the four dogs were put down by the veterinarian at the scene. The fourth one, uh, one of the strays, escape. So let's go to the next one here. Uh, let's go to Sterling Vermeer, five-year-old killed by a pit bull. The family pit bull named Thor killed Sterling in the family home. The five-year-old was dead by the time the police arrived. A family member called 911 stating that the pit bull attacked the child and would not let go. Okay. Next one here. Let's go. Devin White, 25 years old. Okay. So in an unprovoked attack, the family pit bull 
Seeing a trend here, the family pit bull attacked the victim and three other adults, a 52-year-old woman, a 25-year-old woman, and a 19-year-old man. All four victims were taken to the hospital, but White later succumbed to the severe injuries he received when his pit bull mauled him after he tried to stop the attack on the other people that were in the home. Okay, and then we'll read one more here. We'll go to uh, Geraldine Hamlin. Okay, so 64 years old, two pit bulls. Hamlin was attacked by the two family pit bulls in her home she shared with her son and died as a result of her injuries. Okay, now guys, go go to this link. I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes. It just goes on and on. I'm just scrolling on and on and on and on. And then it goes into 2021, 2022. So are you getting the point here? Most of these people were killed by their animals. Okay, so go back to the story from the top from the New York Post that this family in Tennessee, these were their pit bulls that they had raised from the time they were puppies. Okay, and we have no indication that they were fighting these dogs, that they were training them to be aggressive guard dogs or any of those types of things. And obviously they felt comfortable enough with these pit bulls that they were willing to welcome into their home a young girl and a young boy who are now dead because of these animals. Okay. Which leads to the next stupid argument that I get from people, these pro pit bull apologists. You've never owned a pit bull, Kyle. So what do you know? Okay. This is just like the no uterus, no opinion, uh, you know, utterances from pro abortion people because it's, it's intellectually dishonest because they love the support from pro pit bull people that have never owned pit bulls. But it's only anti-pit bull people like me that they're like, oh, no, you, you can't have an opinion because you've never had one. But this all begs the question, do you need to own a dangerous or deadly thing to know that a thing is dangerous or deadly? Because I just got to tell you, I've never owned a pedophile, but I do know that I wouldn't want one of them around my wife and kids. I've never owned a murderer, never once owned one, right? Never even been around one as far as I know but I wouldn't want them around my wife and children. I've never owned rattlesnakes, but I know enough about rattlesnakes to know that I wouldn't around them, want them around my wife and children. Oh, you've never owned a pit bull. What do you know? Well, I, I have a functioning brain. That's how I know. Okay. Another stupid one I've gotten. This is, this is lit. Okay. The, the, the argument goes something like this. Kyle's just like owning a gun. If you don't want a pit bull, then don't own a pit bull. If you don't want a gun, don't own a gun. And guys, the, the level of ignorance and sheer moronic stupidity of this argument is almost impossible to put into words. So let's dig in. So there's a lot of things wrong with this. The first thing is that you have a constitutional right to own a firearm to protect yourself and others. Okay. In the 1700s, a bunch of guys wearing wigs felt that that was a good idea. And I fully support that. Okay. So that is your constitutional right. You do not have a constitutional right to own a dangerous dog. Like, come on. If you, don't, if you don't like it, just don't own one. That's not what we're talking about. It makes sense to own a firearm for a myriad of reasons. It doesn't it make sense to own a dangerous dog. And this is the main reason. Because firearms are inanimate, non-sentient objects. Dogs are animate, sentient animals. They're not even categorically similar, much less the same. Because here's the thing. Firearms don't kill people, right? Go back to my debate that I did with that joker over on uh, the show over in the UK, right? Where he's talking about how guns kill this many people per year. It's like, well, actually, sir, guns don't kill anybody. 
guns in the hands of people that want to kill other people kill people, right? Like it's the people that are killing the people. But my firearms that are even in, in this room here with me, they can't chase down anybody. They can't hop out of their holsters, point themselves at my children and shoot them, right? But dogs get to make their own decisions because it doesn't matter how well-trained your dog is. It doesn't matter how much off-leash control you have of them. It doesn't matter how nice they've been and how many cute pictures you have of babies curled up in their bosoms or whatever. That dog is a sentient being. It can make its own decisions. If it wants to pee on something, it's going to pee on it. If it wants to bite something, it will bite it. And if it's a pit bull, if it wants to maul something into death, you're not going to be able to stop it. So help me understand how this is even possible that you think this is a good argument. That is just like firearms. Oh, if you, do, if you don't want a dangerous firearm, don't own a dangerous firearm. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. I got a few more arguments here because again, they were coming left and right. I've only ever been around nice and gentle pit bulls. That's the argument I've been getting. Same. As I said, from the top of this whole, you know, thing, I, I've only better been around really, really nice pit bulls, but sometimes it's better to be lucky than smart. So let's bring rattlesnakes back into this. If you go out, you know, rattlesnake hunting out in the, in the woods or something like that, and you, you handle a rattlesnake and you kind of move it around and you put it over this way and you don't get bit by the rattlesnake, that doesn't make the animal harmless. It makes you lucky. And perhaps you have a tremendous amount of skill. I know people that actually go out and rattlesnake hunt. Apparently it takes quite a bit of skill. It's not for me. It's for them, whatever. But when you don't get bit, you're lucky. And so when people are like, well, I've had pit bulls and I've never been bit by one. Does that mean the animal's harmless? Because you can't honestly believe that. So another argument I'm getting is only a small percentage of people die from dog attacks anyway. Kyle, why are you making this your hill to die on? Now, when people make that argument, that's a pretty dismissive statement, right? It seems like you don't really care about life that much. But, you know, if we can get past that nonsense, if I go out in the country and get a rattlesnake, let's, you know, let's just keep the rattlesnake thing going. So I go get a rattlesnake. I put it in a you know, tub or whatever, and I bring it to my house and I let it loose. Okay. What are the odds that he bites me or one of my family members eventually? There, it's not high because, you know, we have a decent sized house and, you know, snakes don't typically like to hang out with people and different things like that. So it's not a super high percentage that we're going to get bit, but it's certainly not zero because I brought a deadly animal into my house. However, if I don't bring the rattlesnake into my house and let it loose in my house, the chance of us getting bit by a rattlesnake in our house is zero. Zero. So again, People that are saying only a small percentage of people die from this, it's like the percentage isn't zero. So we have to deal with that reality. And I'll just do one more argument here that people have been giving me. Kyle, you're just being emotional about this one news story. You, you were probably triggered. You know, you saw this on the news and you, maybe you were having a bad day and you just, you're overreacting. You're getting out over your skis a little bit on this one. You needed to just calm down. And the reality is, is I'm fired up, but I'm not emotional or reactionary. I'm not emotional in a reactionary sense, I guess. Because I've thought about this, you know, pretty much my entire life. I grew up in a community where pit bull fighting was somewhat common. So I knew friends that literally had pit bulls so that they could fight other pit bulls and make money off the bets coming in. And in my community, I, I guess you can't call it, you know, an alarming regularity, but toddlers are mauled in the community that I grew up in by family pit bulls. You know, just in Oklahoma City, so this was in Lawton where I grew up, but in Oklahoma City just uh, two or three years ago, an elderly woman was decapitated by a pit bull. 
decapitated. So the pit bull literally ripped her throat out and then didn't stop until her head was rolling down the sidewalk. And oh, well, the Kyle, that's just an anecdote. Do you want me to go back to Wikipedia and start reading from where I left off, making the anecdote argument? So now we need to move to, to the solutions side of this. So I have some solutions. And again, a lot of you guys are not going to be co-signers of this. And a lot of you guys are not going to like this, but this is where we're at now. So you're, you're this far in, you might as well stick with us for families. If you have pit bulls and you have children or older folks in the home, the pit bulls have to go. They cannot be in that house with you. If, if you're single and about to get married and, and you're thinking about having kids and all that, and you have pit bulls, you need to start having those discussions right now. Because those animals cannot be near those children. Again, you get to do whatever you do in your house. I'm just a guy with a podcast that you're listening to, and you may make some changes in your life based off the things that I say. So that's my advice to you. It is not worth it to have those animals around your children, around any elderly members of your family. Okay. Another thing for families is if you have children that you let hang out at other people's houses, you need to, you have to ask them what kind of dogs are at the house that they're going over to. So it's probably a good idea to, you know, have a relationship with those parents. You need to know like, Hey, do you have, you know, unlocked phones? Do you have unfettered access to the internet? You know, uh, do you have a pool there? Do you have like a dangerous older brother? That's an ex condor. Like you need to have some of these discussions with these parents. You also need to know what kind of dogs they have, because if they have a pit bull, I would suggest you not let your kid go over there. If they have Rottweilers, because again, if you got rid of pit bulls and Rottweilers and they just disappeared from the planet, you basically get rid of almost all death created by dogs and throw Dobermans in there as well. If you get rid of Dobermans, Rottweilers, and pit bulls, basically people aren't killed by dogs in America anymore. So if those dogs are present in these other homes, I don't care if you've been around them. I don't care if they seem nice. In my opinion, my advice to you would be to not let your children go hang out at that house. Kids get to hang out at your house. Okay. But now I need to kind of get into, into some general ideas about how I think we can solve this issue. And again, going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I don't care. First thing that I would suggest is euthanization. All pit bulls that are currently in shelters should be euthanized. Okay. So that would take care of all the unowned pit bulls. So spare me your tears about, oh, you don't even know them. And they're just these poor animals. Sorry. Those things are, uh, they're either going to be killed anyway, or they're going to be taken into a home where all immediately they become a danger to that family and a danger to the community that they live in. Because if you're not mauled by a pit bull that's in your own home, you're mauled by a pit bull that's just roaming the neighborhood. Okay. So if you can't stomach the thought of that, you know, just kind of blanket euthanization, then we need to talk about blanket sterilization. All pit bulls in shelters, if you're not going to kill them, and all pit bulls that are owned by individuals should be sterilized. Guys, even PETA agrees with me on this one. If you don't believe me, go look it up. Even PETA agrees with me on this. That breed is way too dangerous to continue to keep breeding. So if you're not down with just euthanizing all pit bulls, great. You love your pit bull and all that. Your pit bull needs to be fixed. That's all there is to it. But if you can't stomach or get behind that, then we need heavy regulation on this animal. Okay. So I know I'm kind of leaning into the argument earlier. That was a dumb argument, but think about how this could be similar to, you know, a class three firearms license, which is what you need in order to get suppressors or, you know, fully auto things or anything like that. Again, you have a constitutional right to, to a firearm, not to a dog, but there's heavy regulation on those things. You can't just walk into Walmart and buy a fully automatic weapon, regardless of what your favorite democratic politician says. It's not a real thing. Okay. There needs to be an unbelievably heavy regulation on that dog. And you should have to prove why you need that dog and come up with something really big. And I guess the last thing would be criminalization. Okay. 
make it illegal for people to own them without extreme extenuating circumstances. And I was trying to think of those extenuating circumstances. You know, maybe you've got, I don't know, maybe you've got like a, I don't know, like a junkyard or something like that. And, you know, the typical junkyard dog, you like, you can't afford round the clock security or this, you know, crazy security system. So you have some pit bulls roaming or something like that. And so maybe you make it legal in those instances. I don't know. I don't even think it should be legal. I don't even think that you should be able to own those dogs, but make pit bull owners liable across the board for homicide, manslaughter, and assault in the event of a killing or maiming by their pit bull. Okay. Now, even in some of the stories I read, some of these owners were getting jail time and, and you were having legal troubles because of things that happened, but that's not across the board. There are a lot of places where a pit bull can, can hurt a, a person or kill another dog or something like that. And nothing happens to the dog. Literally, as I was preparing this, uh, the babysitter that was over watching our kids, I had a little you know chat with her before she left. And she mentioned that in her neighborhood, like literally the adjoining yard had had some sort of a dog uh, that had a pit bull and that pit bull attacked another dog in the neighborhood while it was walking, almost killed the dog. It was a miracle. They got the pit bull off of this dog. So they put this dog on the mend and, you know, get it back to health. And a few weeks or months later, that pit bull gets out of that same yard and and literally runs to the house where this dog that had just been, you know, uh, basically brought back to life and attacked it again. You know what happened to the pit bull? Nothing. Nothing. And this is in like a really, really, really nice neighborhood in, in my city. Nothing happened to the pit bull. They didn't immediately put it down. And because again, they're, maybe they thought, you know, it just attacked another dog. It was a dog fight. Like, what can you do? What if that dog had turned from the dog that it was mauling and turned to the person that was trying to get it off of them? Okay. So that owner of that pit bull should have been liable as if they were the one committing that act. Because if I were to walk over to my neighbor's house, and start like stabbing their dog to death. Yeah, that's going to be a major issue for me on the criminal side of things, on the legal side of things. Okay. So I say all that. I spent a lot of time on this and guys, it's going to, it's going to live forever. So just deal with it. So here's my big takeaway on this last story for the day. I am completely unwilling to err on the side of any dog over any human life. I'm, I'm unwilling to do that. Now in my, in my own life, like we have a giant schnauzer and we have a Maltese and just in case you're wondering, it would take about a thousand Maltese teases at the same time, you know, attacking someone to kill them. And I, I literally searched high and low and couldn't find a single record of a giant schnauzer killing anybody, a kid or otherwise. Okay. There are times in my life where I will make myself uncomfortable. So my dogs can be comfortable. Like maybe they're comfortable sleeping and they're on my leg and my legs falling asleep. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, I'll let them stay comfortable as opposed to having them move or something like that. But that's the comfort of an animal. But if my life, my wife's life, the life of my boys or my loved ones, my, my greater family of friends, if their lives were ever in potential danger because of one of my animals, I would never have that animal. Again, I have no reason to believe that my animals would even possibly be deadly towards anyone in my family or anybody in general. But these people that just want to argue with you because they like the dog. They love the dog breed. I was, I was thinking about this in one of my favorite movies, No Country for Old Men. There's that scene early in the movie where, you know, the, the two sheriffs come out on horses and they're at this thing where like 15 different men are dead in the sand of the desert because of, you know, a gun deal or a you know drug deal went bad or something like that. And they're looking at all these people, these humans that have been killed. And there were dogs that were dead there too. And they said, oh man, they even killed the dog. And I remember thinking that was funny at the time, but now it's like, what a seared consciousness to say such a thing. 
You're looking at 15 image bearers of Christ. Again, this is a movie, but you're looking at 15 image bearers of Christ and then you see a dead dog and you're like, oh gosh, they killed the dog. And dude, I get sad, you know, bring me a TikTok video of a dog that's sick and dying and all that. Like I'll be in tears. Like I love dogs, but pit bulls shouldn't even be considered in the same category as most dogs. Cause you hear dogs and you think of, you know, the Dalmatian you had growing up or the golden retriever or the schnauzer or the whatever. This is not a dog as much as it is a wild animal, an animal that you can't trust. Like you wouldn't bring a fox into your house. You wouldn't bring a hyena into your house. You wouldn't bring a, one of these wild animals into your house, regardless of how cute they are. Why? Because they're dangerous. And so are pit bulls. Again, I'll reiterate. I know this isn't the, the most fun thing that you've ever heard, especially if you're a pit bull person, you probably stopped listening about a half hour ago, but those are just my thoughts on the issue. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost out on Daunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So again, I just want to remind you, if you want to support us, guys, go to the website, go to undaunted.life backslash donate, become monthly donors for us. Also support our sponsors, go to Origins website to check out their full line of Origin and Jocko Fuel products. That's geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, and more. So that's originmain.com. Use the promo code Kyle to get 10% off your order and go to kccattlecompany.com for Wagyu steaks, roast, chicken, uh, pork, bratwurst, all kinds of stuff. Use the promo code Kyle to get 15% off your order. All the other links I've got for you today, I've got a link to episode 331 of this podcast, the one that's too hot for YouTube. And then I've got an obituary for Jonathan Thomas Zerzevi. And then I've got all the different links that we talked about, uh, not in the quick, quick hitters, but just the quick hitter segment. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live, at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>